This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Miami, 47. Duke, 10. Miami Hurricanes wrap up the 2021 regular season with a 7-5 record winning five out of their last six. Tyler Van Dyke, once again, has a special performance. Uh, Miami's receiving core in general, I think, was extremely impressive today. We'll get into all that here coming up soon. David Lake, joined, as always, by Gabby Urrutia, Through the Smoke, 24-7 Sports, inside the youth.com. Before we get going, Gabby, want to highlight our uh, Black Friday sale annual subscription uh, we are offering now until Monday night. Mon- once the clock hits midnight, uh, Monday into Tuesday, uh, this deal ends. So again, 75% off, gets you a year's worth of, of insider scoop for 26 bucks. Uh, if it were me, now's a good time to jump on board. I think there is going to be some news you know, whether it's AD, et cetera, et cetera, trickling out here over the next week or so, maybe um, not reporting anything. I'm just saying, I think, you know, one way or another, recruiting, coaching, AD, it's going to be an interesting month. Let's just say that. So got that out of the way, Gabby. Let's start with um, Tyler Van Dyke, right? Special, special, special performance. Um, 381 three touchdowns basically did that in three quarters. He played a little bit in the fourth quarter, but, but did that in three quarters. Um, you know, I think it's now six straight games, right. Of at least 300 yards and three touchdowns. I think over those six games, he is averaging like 366 yards per game with three touchdowns per game. Uh, He's only thrown three interceptions during that stretch as well on the season, regular season. He's at 2,930 yards. So, uh, I mean, we already know this kind of by now, like, but still the guy goes out and and makes some special throws, gives his receivers opportunity to make plays. What'd you think of Tyler today? Yeah, man. I mean, I I thought he was extremely impressive, you know, and yeah, I feel like there was, again, just a chance that, I mean, we we really didn't know how they were going to come out. Duke was obviously not a very talented team, so it was good to see them just get the offense rolling like that. It was good to see them sort of come out and play that way. Um, I mean, really just, again, a couple big-time throws, um, a couple good decisions, you know, just really, you know, pretty pretty impressive ball placement at times. I mean, I think he's just a really impressive dude again, man. Just really, like, you kind of put it into perspective over eight starts to – have nearly 3,000 yards passing. Uh, I think it's 25 touchdowns on the year now. And this stretch has been unbelievable, man. I mean, an ACC record that he set and he's just continuing to, to extend. Um, you know, uh, Tyler Van Dyke, I mean, it, it's it's crazy. I mean, it really is crazy just in hindsight, just with everything that happened this year to see him sort of doing this uh, 
as consistently as he's doing it. So, I mean, that, it, it's just kind of nuts to me. But, yeah, man, another big-time performance from him. Yeah, nobody saw this coming in terms of him being, like, special, special, special. Yeah. But he's definitely that dude. Um, you know, I, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here, but uh, I think Bernie Kozar's single-season record for passing yards of 3,642 will be in jeopardy next year, you know, with Tyler starting the entire year. I also think, you know, obviously too, Steve Walsh, Steve Walsh's single season touchdown record, passing touchdowns, which really is, is it's 29, which isn't all that much in the modern game, modern era. Um, Honestly, Tyler can tie that in the bowl game with uh, four touchdowns. So he's had, four touchdown games before, um, but those aren't easy to achieve. If he does do, uh, if he does hit the four touchdown mark in this bowl game, he will tie Steve Walsh's record. Obviously five would break it. Um, also, I think it's worth noting too, Gabby offensive line. Didn't sack Tyler the whole game. Um, or sorry, didn't allow a sack the whole game. He was pressured at times by Dukes. Defensive tackle, Dwayne Carter, that's going to happen. He's a dude on the interior. But I think overall, you know, they keep, especially here at the end of the season, they've done a pretty good job of giving him time to operate. So just wanted to highlight them. Wide receivers, right? Uh, Credit to Mike Harley, breaking the career reception record. um, Also breaking the single game reception record in the process with 13 in the game. Uh, broke Reggie Wayne's career reception record. Um, credit to him. Mike's a good dude. Um, he, you know, if there's anyone who deserves it, it's him. Charleston Rambo breaks the single season record for yardage and receptions. Broke Alan Hearns' yardage record. Broke Leonard Hankerson's reception record. Uh, and Jacoby George flashed his impressive talent. Uh, finish the day three for 80. I'll ask you this, Gabby, which one of their, there was multiple receptions on the day that were big yeah. time. Which one is your favorite? I mean, I think Jacoby George's like one hand, like behind the defend, like the Duke defender was pretty wild. Like when I saw that he kind of came up with that, I was just like, that was, that, that, that's a big time play. I feel like that was probably the lowest percentage catch of, of the yeah. three of them. And then Rambo's was awesome in the corner of the end zone, just kind of knowing where his feet were to stay in bounds and, and come down with that was, was really good. I mean, Mike Harley, just the situation on a, I think it was like a fourth and five or something like that to go get 14 yards on that sliding catch. I thought was really good too. Romello Brinson almost had another one yeah. in the other, on the other side that he couldn't finish, but that, that potentially could have been the best of the, of, of the bunch had he come down with that. But I mean, all around big plays, but I mean, I think I got to go Jacoby George, a little one hander sort of yeah. on the side there. I'm with you. The, the Rambo one was impressive too. At, in the post game uh, press conference, Rambo said on the second touchdown, he didn't even really see the ball because of the sun. The sun was in his eyes. He just kind of stuck his hand out, felt the ball hit it and brought it in. So yeah. Rambo's doing big things. Uh, he's kind of like, he's a guy that defenses can't really cover right now. Um, and we definitely saw Duke struggle keeping him in front of them you know there is some 
I think there was a pass interference called, and then there was a pass interference, I think, not called. Um, he's just a very difficult guy to cover right now, and, and him and Tyler have things clicking. It's, it's fun to watch. Um, defensively, you know, running-wise, I guess, before we move on to defense, uh, good to see Thad Franklin, right? Six for 45, got a touchdown. Yeah. Um, so that's nice to see that production there with Miami's big back. And uh, Jalen Knighton was, you know, solid, 13 for 51, one touchdown. Uh, defense, I think they did a nice job shutting down the run overall. You know, that was the one area where Duke was somewhat dangerous. Um, Mateo Durant, 22 for 68. You take that all day long. Um, and then yards per play, Duke only averaged 3.1 yards per play. That's some elite defense right there. Uh, Duke's offense, not very good, but still Miami handled business. They get credit for that. Special teams, uh, credit to Andy Borigales, right? Um, what did he finish up? Four for four? I think it's yep. four for four. Four for four with a long of 43. So that's great. Um, Lou Headley out for the game with a nagging lower body injury, according to Diaz. He's expected to be back for the bowl game. So that's good news. Um, but on the flip side, the kick return, the kick coverage by Miami was trash. We saw yeah, it on the that. first kick of the game. Then second kick went for a touchdown. Gross. Horrible. Horrible. So we won't talk about that much. Um, anything else with the Duke game to touch on before we get into some Manny Diaz talk? I don't think so. Just complete performance. I mean, okay. really complete performance. Right. They handled business. This is yeah, what you're did, supposed to do to did. Duke. Right. This is what you're supposed to do to this Duke team. I think I said coming into this game, Duke had, Duke was winless in ACC play, right? And they had lost all those ACC games by, I think, an average margin of 31 points per game. So Miami won by 37. Again, handled business against a, you know awful Duke team. So elephant in the room, right? Manny Diaz, job security, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you transcribed Manny Diaz's quotes in the post game. It's up on the website, inside the U.com for everyone who wants to go read it word for word. But Gabby, what, what is your sense on how Manny is feeling about his future at Miami? Did you have any reads on it or is he just kind of playing it straight down the middle and yeah, really I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like he probably really doesn't even know. I feel like anytime he was sort of asked about it, um, he kind of just reverted back to all he knows is sort of one week, this one week at a time approach. Uh, he knows that his guys are playing hard for him. Uh, just kind of pointing it back to uh, you know, what's real to me or what I feel secure in is, you know, the reaction we got in the locker room, um, watching our guys compete really hard. And he kind of hinted that like, Oh, at other places in the country, you kind of you've seen when teams have have quit on on their guy or just quit on the season, and that hasn't happened here. I think he's try, I think he was doing some bidding for himself to sort yes. of point out all the things that basically have gone right uh, throughout this right. really just this latter part of the season. So I think that's what he's using these press conferences or those questions to sort of you know rally around the the oh they're still playing hard. They came out and did this. Uh, they're committed to them, talking to them individually, 
uh, you know that there's still a fire there, that there's still a passion for this program and those types of things. So I think that I think he's just, again, just kind of going to war for his job right now uh, when those questions sure. are asked. And he should. But again, as you pointed out, he is definitely highlighting the things that are going well. And he is disregarding all the issues, right? Um, which anyone can see that. Um, what do you think about what he had to say about Rhett Lashley? Because look, it's we, we've said this now f- for a long time. I don't know why like the reports coming out were such a big deal on Friday. <laughs> we basically told you guys this on our Wednesday podcast. Anyways, um, you know, it's looking like Rhett Lashley is going to take the SMU job, right? As the head coach. Um, Manny Diaz, of course, didn't break any news. He didn't confirm or deny that, but he did have some things to say about what losing Rhett Lashley might mean, I guess, or just a big picture view of what he thinks about the offense moving forward, potentially without Rhett Lashley. What did you make of those comments? Yeah, I thought it was interesting how he sort of pointed it all back to the system that this is Miami's offensive system now. Uh, basically, I think he's kind of crediting Rhett Lashley with just bringing the spread to Miami. That was something that he always wanted to do. Um, and really just saying that this is Miami's new system now, like whatever, like this is what they're going to essentially be from this point moving forward. He gave Rhett Lashley, you know, he said his little piece on how he thinks Rhett Lashley is a phenomenal assistant and, you know, he's great to have on staff and he's a great person and all that stuff. But uh, I think that he used that opportunity to sort of promote the fact that this is uh, what Miami is going to be from this point on and that it's going to attract great quarterbacks via recruiting and that it's going to be a quarterback friendly system and that big time players are going to want to come play at Miami uh, because this is who they're going to be moving forward. So um, you know, I think without him saying that Rhett Lashley's basically gone, he said that he was basically Rhett Lashley's getting, gone. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. Uh, he was just saying that he, you know, is I guess respectful to Rhett Lashley for bringing this to Miami so that right. they can adopt. So they were that they were able to adopt it uh, from this point forward. If we're being real, though, and we said this in the last podcast, it is a blow to the case of Manny Diaz. Yeah. for returning don't you think i mean there's all there's plenty of other things to point to um but rhett lashley and and this emer- the, the offense clicking in these last six games was a significant plus in the manny diaz era correct you agree right. with that 100 percent, yeah without uh, it i mean i mean without this emergence of tyler van dyke what does this season look like right now right so you know just my kind of editorializing right my opinions um on this whole narrative of Miami winning the last the five of their last six games, right? I think it is worth remembering they lost to one of the worst FSU teams of the modern era. And again, after today, this FSU team is not going to go bowling. Um, they finished the year five and seven. I believe that's now four straight years from Florida state with the losing record. Um, so, you know, again, that is a significant loss. That's a significant loss in recruiting. That's a significant loss to the future perception of your program if you are still the head coach. I think that is worth mentioning. If Manny had won that FSU game, Gabby, quite frankly, I do think he'd probably be coming back for another year. Um, they would have they would have been eight and four. 
you know, Six and you can, wins. yeah, Tyler's playing well, et cetera. So you can probably sell that, you know, um, seven and five is tough to me because that's been the average for Miami of the past 15 years. This is a problem. You know, any coach could show up at Miami. We've seen this now. Um, and be seven you know. and five. Yeah. Right. Pay me a million dollars. Give me a $10 million buyout. I can go coach Miami to be seven and five, right? That's nothing special. That's nothing good. That's nothing worth being proud of. Um, even if you do win five of the last six games. And I think it's also worth remembering too. Yes, they did have quality wins against Pittsburgh and NC state, but these two recent wins to me, if we're being real, I take it with a grain of salt. You played a Virginia tech team that had their head coach fired the week leading up to your game. Right. Also not a good Virginia tech team, obviously if they fire their coach and then you just beat the worst Duke team of the David Cutcliffe era. Um, so yeah, going again, seven and five in the ACC coastal is the problem. This right. is the problem. Yeah. This is why we, this is why we're annoyed as a fan base, why everyone's tired of this. Um, also, along the same lines, ACC championship game is Wake Forest and Pitt. This is a problem. This is the year for Miami to be in that game. This is the year for Miami to win that game. There's no Clemson this year. Um, so these are all things that cannot be ignored. And, uh, you know, in my opinion, this is, you know, the time is now for Miami to go get a legitimate coach. And uh, we can get into those reasons more in depth here in a Monday podcast. But if Miami's going to gonna, gonna uh, make a big change, I think now is the perfect time, right? I just said FSU has had four straight losing seasons. So, yeah, they've improved year over year, but there's still a program that's just not doing anything. Like yeah. Florida State is – they're nothing. Uh, Florida is about to hire Billy Napier, right? And, and you know – or it looks that way, right? It looks like things are trending to Florida hiring Billy Napier, Louisiana's coach, Louisiana Lafayette. And maybe this is a hot take, Abby, but to me, that's a downgrade from Dan Mullen. And I'm not sitting here acting like Dan Mullen's amazing. I just think he's better than Billy Napier. I would rather have Dan Mullen at Miami than Billy Napier. And Dan Mullen's a weirdo. I'm not like a huge Dan Mullen fan. <laughs> I just... There's levels to this, and Billy Napier has never done anything at the Power exactly. Five level. Yeah, Dan Mullen had at least been successful at Mississippi State. Like he had something on his resume prior to becoming the the guy at Florida. Yeah. So if if Miami were to get a legitimate coach in there this year, you have a quarterback, you have intriguing young offensive talent. I think the defense needs to be fixed in a lot of ways through the transfer portal. But to me, Miami, even with like the seven and five. I mean, Miami, of course, has a better record than both Florida and Florida State right now. Miami is still in the best position in this state. They play in the Coastal Division, which is very winnable. If you have a competent coach, you can go out and win the Coastal Division. Um, so again, to me, the time is now to go make that move. And I don't think Miami, this is just my opinion, I don't think you go out and, and make the move with Blake James to just bring Manny Diaz back. Right. We'll, we'll see how it all shakes out. Um, but it's still my opinion that I think a move will be made there at head coach as well. Let's, um, 
So recruiting real quick, Gabby, you wrote, you had a story, right? Yeah. And, and, and let's be real too, right? Like until this staff is told otherwise, they have a job to do. They're going to go out and recruit as they should um, until they, they are told otherwise. And, and Manny Diaz is planning to recruit on Sunday, which is when the recruiting window opens. Tell us what we need to know there. Yeah, David, I think it's important just to sort of lay out like the recruiting window a little bit. So on Sunday, it opens back up to a contact period. So, I mean, at, this is the time of the year where you'll see coaches start to go in, do like the in-home visits and, and stuff like that. And, and Miami's going to Miami's gonna get going, just sort of hit the ground running with that on Sunday. Um, they're going to go in-home with Wesley Besaint, the top 247 linebacker uh, out of Miami Central. Again, just a guy that they've been recruiting for a few years. Uh, really seems like they're going toe-to-toe with Florida State for that one. So I think that's going to be a, a big visit for Miami on Sunday. Uh, I think at various points throughout the week, he's also going to see the rest of the schools in his top five, which are Florida, Florida State, uh, West Virginia, and Penn State. So, I mean, all those guys are going to come try to see him. So um, definitely an opportunity for Miami there on Sunday. They're also going to go in home with Nigel e. Kelly, the top 247 defensive lineman out of Fort Lauderdale Dillard. Again, they got him on campus on Tuesday for an unofficial visit uh, there alongside Shamar Stewart. He was planning on taking an official visit to Auburn this weekend. It seemed like Miami might have talked him out of that on Tuesday just because he canceled it the very well, – from what I understand, he canceled it basically by the time he left Coral Gables, but it was officially, he had officially canceled it when he told Andrew that he wasn't going uh, early that next Wednesday morning. So – uh, you know, that that's always a good thing. Again, I think Oregon's probably in a good spot there. I'd expect plenty of schools to try to go in home with, with Nigel Lee Kelly and for, you know, his visit plans to be pretty, pretty booked up. So, um, and, and with, just to be clear, when you say in home, you're talking Manny Diaz, correct? Right. Yeah. Uh, Manny Diaz. I think a lot of the defensive staff are, are from what I understand, most of the defensive staff are going to be in home with both of those guys. It seems like they're sort of sending the house at both those guys. And, it seems like over the course of the next week or so, uh, guys will be at different spots going in home, sitting in living rooms, talking with mom and dad, guardians, right. uh, whoever it is, and just being able to have those face-to-face conversations in their living room. So, you know, the, the, it's, it's a really important time. Uh, I think yeah. it's where a lot of really important conversations, you know, have the sort of the environment to take place. And uh, of course, Miami's probably going to have a, have to have a lot of those uncomfortable conversations. But I think it's worth noting that, again, David, I know you said this, the, the priority right now is probably hiring an athletic director right. uh, that could come at some point next week. So I wouldn't expect any of those awkward situations where a coach is announced or rumored to be fired uh, while they're sitting in one of these guys living rooms on Sunday. I think that they're going to be able to have these conversations without sort of having to look, be looking over at their shoulder or at their phone to see if anything broke or anything like that about their status. So I, I think it's, I think that's something worth noting for fans that might be concerned about, uh, why is Manny recruiting? He can get fired at any time or people that are maybe assuming that he's going to get fired on Sunday or let go on Sunday right. or whatever, whatever it is. So I think that that's probably important to sort of. Yeah. Again, let me be clear. I'm under the impression that nothing is going to be announced in terms of Manny Diaz being retained or uh, a parting of ways until a new athletic director is hired. Um, when will that happen? I honestly don't know. Um, and then I'm under the impression as well that that new athletic director will take a day or two, maybe even three, to assess Manny Diaz. I, I'm assuming he will talk with Manny Diaz, et cetera, et cetera, 
and then that new athletic director will make a decision. Um, so nothing's going to happen in my opinion with Manny Diaz immediately in terms of like a Sunday announcement of parting ways, or even maybe a Monday announcement of parting ways. Right. And look, I think too, it's worth understanding the timeline, right? As we're speaking now, Oregon is, is beating Oregon state significantly, which, you know, they're going to be in the PAC 12 championship game. Um, which is played on Friday, right? And it's worth noting that if, May if Miami does make the move of parting ways with Manny Diaz, Mario Cristobal would be the top target. And Mario's a guy who, who wants to quote unquote, do things by the right way. And so he's not gonna talk with Miami until his regular season is over. And that will not happen until Saturday. So there's really no like, super duper rush for Miami to make this decision on Manny Diaz. I think they just have to make this decision within this next week. Right. right. And um, yeah, I, when you say no rush, I think probably the only real timeline to really look at might be just like the early signing day. But again, that's still a few weeks away. I think it's two weeks from Wednesday. So sure. I think that, I mean, I think ideally Miami would like to have at least, to at least know what's happening by then. Absolutely, but I'm I'm speaking more to like the rush to part ways from Manny Diaz. Right. That's why they're not rushing into that. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, like fans will be wondering why is Manny still the coach on Sunday? Why is Manny still the coach on yeah. Monday? I'm just trying to lay it all out there that for sure it's probably going to be the case, right? Yeah. And yeah, early signing period is another interesting thing to keep in mind, but. Ultimately, I think the more important thing for this program and recruiting does matter. People who listen to this podcast know I pound the table for recruiting harder than anyone. But at the end of the day, you got to go get the coach. Um, right. So, and if you get Mario, I think this recruiting class will improve even with that short signing period window. So anyways, um, let's end it there. It'll be an interesting week, which again, if, you know, let me highlight this 75% off subscription deal for a year, 26 bucks, get you insider coverage at insidetheu.com. Uh, appreciate everyone for listening. Appreciate all our new subscribers, uh, getting hundreds of new subscriptions here. We really appreciate it. Everyone out there who hasn't joined the fun, what are you waiting for? Till next time, take care.